Okay, friend, do you have a part of your story that you've kind of held back? Maybe you're afraid to share a part of your life because you've made a mistake. You feel shame. You feel guilt. You're worried about what other people will say. Well, I have had many of those stories in my life. I um, had an abortion when I was 15, and for so many years, I wanted to hide that. I was so afraid that if people knew, they would hate me, even my closest friends. And God really wants to bring us freedom. He wants us to walk in the fullness of who he is and his love and his mercy to us. Um, but it's that guilt and that shame that kind of hold things back. Well, I just love when people find freedom and they're able to share their full stories. When God says, I forgive you, I love you, and we dare to believe that and walk in that. Well, I've been recording um, this podcast for over a year, and last summer, one of my guests was Kate Battistelli. And you may recognize the last name. Her um, daughter is Francesca Battistelli, and I just love her music. It's amazing. But I wanted to have Kate on because Kate's a writer, a speaker, and a blogger. And um, she was a former Broadway actress. I mean, her, her story is just fascinating. Plus, she's raised this amazing young woman. Well, we recorded um, last summer. And for some reason, that I've never had this happen before, only the last 15 minutes of our interview were saved. Um, I record online. I've never had a problem with the interviews. Um, so it was, I didn't know what to do. So after the editor, um, the person who edits my interviews got back to me, he's like, listen, we only have the last 15 minutes. Can you kind of record the beginning again? And so I had to like call Kate and said, oh, okay, we, this didn't record. Can we do it? And she's so gracious. He's like, no problem, Trisha. Um, and so we set up a different time. And before we actually sat down, um, I just felt urged to pray for our recording that this would work this time. And I don't always pray for my guests before we record, but I should. Not that I'm thinking about it, I should do that. But that day, I just felt really called to um, pray for Kate and to pray for, obviously, um, you know, the, the recording would go well. And I remember just praying that if there was something that needed to be said that hadn't been said, that we will just, um, you know, come through and that this recording, for some reason, just needed to be done again. And so um, I told her the part where the last recording picked up, so we only needed to, to re-record the front of it. And as we were going along, um, and she was sharing about her life, and she was sharing about um, being on Broadway, she actually shared a part of her story that she had never shared before publicly, and that was that Kate had an abortion when she was 18, and, I, and she knew about my abortion story. And in that moment, we both knew that that was the reason why the recording didn't happen. Um, for some reason, that was the moment for Kate to share her story. She had just recently before that shared it with her daughter, but God was doing a healing in her and wanting her to share parts of her story. And what I love is that Kate has fully opened up her heart. She shares her story. She shares the good, the bad, what God has done, and she shares it in her new book, The God Dare. So we will be talking about that today. I love this book. I have enjoyed it so much. Um, the subtitle is, Will You Choose to Believe the Impossible? And I'm so thankful that even a messed up a podcast interview can be a step that God can use for us to taking a step, to being brave, to doing what he 
dares ask us to do to bring healing in our own lives. So I know you're just going to love my interview with Kate. You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart to heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. I am so excited about today's book, Friends. It's The God Dare, but I'm even more excited to talk to my friend, Kate. So today's guest is Kate Battistelli. Um, Welcome, Kate. Hi, Trisha. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I always love talking to you. I know we got to see each other last month or a month and a half ago or something like that. It was so fun to just hug your neck. It's always good to see you. Yeah, and today we're talking about your new book, The God Dare, um, and then the subtitle is "Will You Choose to Believe the Impossible?" Mm-hmm. But before we talk about that, just tell um, the listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get started. Okay. Well, I'm Kate Battistelli. I live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville. I've been married to my amazing husband Mike for gosh, I guess it'll be 36 years this summer, and we have one child, our daughter Francesca. If you listen to Christian music on the radio, you've probably heard Francesca Battistelli and her music. And she has given us four beautiful grandchildren. So we are just blessed to be here to have the life that God's given us. It's it's been it's been a journey, but it's been good. Yeah, those grandbabies are pretty cute. <laughs> I always are. love seeing your pictures of them. It's so fun. They are cute. And uh, yeah, we love Francesca's music. Um yeah, so it's just I love all that God's doing in your life, but the journey hasn't always been easy. Oh gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, it's not been very, there's just been ups and downs like everybody. I mean, that's just walking with the Lord. You're going to have great times and you're going to have those valley times. And I've had, I've had my share. Yeah. And I love how when in the God dare, you talk about, you know, some of those valley times and just even you talk about the first God dare and how God just called you to himself and had you kind of walk away kind of the path you were going you know share a little bit about and I know on the first podcast um which was last year which I loved talking to you you shared about you know being on the off-Broadway or the Broadway show that was traveling with the King and I and Yul Brenner and I mean you just were planning to be a Broadway actress and then how did God change things after that? Well after that show ended my husband and I got married then a year later we met the Lord so we came to the Lord a little bit later in life I was 29 almost 30 when I met the Lord so I'd walked you know a long time not knowing him and kind of in the as my husband would say in the breakdown lane um, but we there there was a gap who kept inviting us to church and kept inviting us to church. And finally, we just went and gave our hearts to the Lord. And then we had our daughter a year later. And then about a year or so after that, we just started feeling this nudge from the Lord that that the life we had chosen was not His best for us. It wasn't what He'd chosen for us. And we both just started getting this feeling that 
we're supposed to lay this down and move away, which made no sense because we were doing well in our careers. We lived in Manhattan at the time. I wa- you know, I'll, I just wanted to be a Broadway star. And Mike has his doctorate in conducting. He'd been doing a lot of conducting in New York on Broadway, Radio City Music Hall, all that stuff. But just the more, the, the closer we got to the Lord, the more we started really understanding who he was and reading the word and going to church. We just kept feeling that drawing away from the life that we had given our entire lives to. So we made the choice then. And at that time, I didn't call it a God dare because that phrase hadn't popped into my head. But I see now that he was daring us to walk away from everything that we knew and go with him into a life and a world that we didn't really know anything about. But we said, yes, I think we were just naive enough and young enough in the Lord to, to listen and actually do what he was calling us to do. And it was it yeah. was difficult, but at the same time, I see the fruit now. The the thing with a God dare, you won't always necessarily see it right at the time it's happening. It may take a while to have the perspective to go, oh, that made total sense. I see why God did that. But we won't always know at the time. And at the time, we didn't. We had no idea what he was doing, what he was getting ready to do in our daughter's life. But that was not for years to come. Yeah. So you know, I want to think about this for a minute, because I know, you know, so many times, um, and, you know, walk it out is all about, you know, reading God's word and doing what it says. But I think the, the thing people get stuck on is how do you know what God is saying? So you you talk about you felt God calling us out and calling us, you know, to leave that life. How, like, in what ways was he really speaking to you? So you were sure like, this is God. I mean, I'm sure he didn't put like a billboard in Times Square <laughs> right. saying, go and leave or whatever. But so what were, what were some of the ways that you and Mike knew that God was leading you out. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice if he made it easy for us all like that? Just put up billboards or just send somebody to knock on your door and go, hey, this is God. And I, there's what you're supposed to do. But no, for us, it was it was just this unsettled feeling that the direction we were going just wasn't right. It, we didn't. I didn't have a dream or have a prophecy or anything like that. We just both were feeling this uneasiness in the career that we'd chosen. Because you know, when you're in the theater world or the performing world, a lot of times they'll ask you to do things that are not godly. I mean, when they would, you know, send me up for a soap opera part and it was just somebody who was committing adultery or doing this or doing some other sin, I had to start turning down auditions because it was a character I just couldn't see myself playing anymore now that I knew the Lord and understood, was beginning to understand at least what it meant to try to walk out your holiness in your life. So for us, and I think God can speak in many ways. It can be through a dream or a vision or a, a, a good counsel with a pastor or with somebody. Um, sometimes it's just something a friend says that instantly you know that's the Lord. But for Mike and I, it was really more of just just that unsettled uneasiness that we knew until we until we obeyed, that was not going to go away. Yeah. And I love how throughout the book, you talk about that the God dare is doing it afraid. Yeah. And I think so many times, like, you know, we think, okay, if God is calling me to, then all the pieces will fall into place. I'll have complete peace. I won't have any fear. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? But that is, yeah, but that's false. Let's talk a little bit about that. Because I agree that like, there is that fear there, but there's that underlying trust that God has this. Thing. Absolutely. And and one of my points that I make in the book is that if God calls you to it, he'll equip you to do it. But that doesn't mean it won't be scary. If it's it, if it's God, typically it is scary because it's going to be bigger than you know you can handle on your own. 
And that's the thing. I mean, if we could do it on our own, what do we need God for? So typically when God calls you to that thing, and, and, I, and I, the way I see a God there, it's that crazy, impossible, ridiculous thing that he says, you're supposed to do this. And I mean, for me, it was writing my first book. It made absolutely no sense. I wasn't a writer. I had no college degree. I had no platform, no one to publish it. I mean, none of, nothing about it made sense, yet it was very clear to me in that case. In that case, I did hear the Lord speak in my spirit. I didn't hear him audibly, but I knew in my spirit he was telling me what I was supposed to do. And and it terrified me. But as I stepped out and began just doing one thing at a time, because you're not going to accomplish the whole thing in one day, typically. It, for me, that took a, you know a year or so to get that accomplished. But as you step out and begin doing it, the fear gets less and less because you you begin to see God starting to put those things into place. As you obey, he'll do a little bit more. It's kind of a, it goes up in increments, if you know what I mean. So that that's how I saw it. But Yes, it will be scary. And yes, there are times you're going to have to do it afraid. And it won't always be something, it, it won't necessarily be your dream for your life. I mean, my dream for my life was to be a Broadway star. God had a very different dream for me. So it's trusting him enough to know that he knows best, that his dream, that he's already written in your book, everything that you're supposed to do. And it's just a matter of figuring that out and then saying yes, when he calls you to the scary thing. Yeah. And talk about that first book, because I know um, it kind of didn't. Is that the one that came out from the homeschool talk that you did? Yes. Yes. My husband and I were at, we'd homeschooled our daughter for most of her years down in Florida. And they were having their big 20th anniversary, the homeschool group that we had had our daughter with. And they asked us to come speak because by this time, Franny had signed her record deal with, had her songs on the radio. People were beginning to know who she was. So they said, just come and tell us, you know, what did you do? intentionally as parents to raise her to find her purpose and passion. And I said, oh, sure, we'd love to come talk. Hung up the phone and looked at my husband and said, what the heck did we do? <laughs> because you don't, you, know, you don't have a manual in front of you. You're just raising your child. But as we sat down and talked about it, we realized we were very intentional and we came up with these 15 things. So a week later, we gave our talk. We came home. You know, The next day, the talk went great. And the next day, I just was literally stretched out on the floor, thanking God for, you know, just for everything, but specifically for those 15 things. And as soon as I said that, I heard him say in my spirit, those are book chapters. And I just said, God, are, are you crazy? Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know that I don't have a college degree? Do you know I'm not a writer? I mean, I'd always loved to write, but I never considered myself a writer. I did other things with my life. I mean, it just, I, you know, God, do you know I don't have a platform? Do you know that no one will read it? They'll think that I'm, you know, that I'm proud or whatever stupid excuse I gave the Lord. And I just kept hearing, those are book chapters. Mm. Those are book chapters. So I found a friend who was a writing coach, which I didn't even know was a thing. I just happened to see on social media, something about that. And I contacted her. I said, I'm going to show you these 15 things. And I'm certain it's not a book, but what do you think? She said, it's absolutely a book. I'm going to help you write it. And we're going to get it published. And she did. And we got it published. And, you know, it just, and, and that's when I realized God was daring me. He was actually daring me to step out. Could I, cause I could have just said, no, there's no way God, I'm not going to do it. But that that's why I say, if he calls you to it, he'll equip you to do it because he had to equip me. He had to give me the ability to, to not only write, but write and make it coherent in a book. 
And, but yeah. he will, he'll do it if we step out, but it, it takes, it takes courage, you know, it takes obedience and it takes, maybe people are going to just think I'm nuts, it, but you have to not care about what other people think you, the only opinion that matters is God's opinion. Yeah. And the title of that is growing great kids. Um, so immediately did you think, okay, let's do book two. You know, I didn't immediately, actually, I wrote a blog post called the God dare and a, a mm. friend of mine, a good friend at that publisher said, you know, you could turn this into a book. And as I thought about it and thought, well, if God did it in my life, let me, let me just look in the Bible and see if, if he does this anywhere else. And of course he does it all through the Bible. He is constantly daring people to do it, to do that crazy, dangerous, life-threatening thing. Sometimes you do lose your life. I mean, look at John the Baptist. It didn't, right. it worked out great for him, but it, but he went through quite a trial to, to end up, you know, as the one Jesus said was the greatest in all, in all the Bible. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's, you just, you just never know. Yeah. So I know that this book has been a journey, like it wasn't something that you just wrote in a year. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause I think that's encouraging to you. I mean, sometimes, you know, your first book, you sat down, you wrote it in a year, but sometimes God has kind of work on our hearts before the book shows up. Oh yeah. This book took eight years to get from blog posts to book in my hand today, but it's been quite a process. I went through just a, just a lot of difficult times where there were times where I could write. I actually had the majority of the book written in 2012, but I hadn't put in all the really deeply personal things about my story back then. So I'm quite glad it did not get picked up and published then when I thought, you know, I, I really thought it was ready and I wanted it to come out. It took several more years of, I dealt with anxiety. I've had this weird seizure condition that's just come out of nowhere where I have seizure, seizures sometimes in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping. I mean, it's just the weirdest thing oh, wow. and they can't find anything in my brain. So I'm pretty convinced it's the enemy, but things like that, that just stopped me for quite a while, but then the Lord made a way and opened the doors for me to get this going again, finally find an agent, get it, you know, a publisher to agree to publish it. But then he dared me again to really write some of the uglier parts of my story that we've, we've shared before that actually you talking to you last summer gave me the courage to write a lot of that down that I was not in the original manuscript, but it's the, I think it's the thing that's going to make a lot of difference in a lot of women's lives. At least I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and you talk about that, like it's those peeling back the layers almost because, you know, it's easy to write like, Oh, this is all the good stuff that's right. in our lives, but then it's harder. And I just remember um, standing up in front of my church, for the first time and then telling them that I had had an abortion and just be like, my knees were shaking. Like, this is the hardest thing I ever had to do. Like anything, like have me do anything else. But it's like, but when we share our hearts, when we share the hard stuff and when we share God's healing, love, compassion, all those things, it just opens it up for other people to seek that. So just share a little bit about your story and some of the hard stuff that he asked you to write about in this book. Oh yeah. It absolutely does make a huge difference when you share it. But I just, you know, back when I've had some really neat things happening with the, the King and I and the, all the theater stuff and Franny and people could look at that and say, man, she's had the coolest life. Well, what they don't know is or what they'll know now, but I never told anyone for 46 years was that when I was 18, I got pregnant 
and I wasn't married. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having an abortion back. This is 1972 before Roe v. Wade. I lived in New Jersey and had to go to New York to get an abortion. But I was so terrified to let my parents or my family know that I was pregnant because it would have just, it it would not have gone well. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. And um, fear drove my decision, but never did anybody offer me adoption or anything. There was never anything that anybody trying to talk me out of it. I just, and by the time I had my abortion, I remember the doctor saying to me, it's a good thing you came in this week because you're just on the cusp of four months. Now, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I do now. I fully understand what that means and how big the baby was and what the baby could have felt and all of those things. So it's, it's horrifying to me now. But I I know the Lord was daring me last summer when he started just really giving me again that uneasiness, that that thing inside your stomach where you're like, dang, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I really don't want to share this. I had never told my daughter. She's turning 34 soon, and she she was in her 30s, and I'd never told her because I was so terrified. What would she think? And of course, she loves me, and you know she fully understood, and I explained it all to her, and there was no issue there. But I was just so afraid to tell friends that what will they think of me? And I think so many women, we live with this guilt and shame for so many years, and it just eats us up. It, I think it also can prevent us from doing what God wants us to do, because I could, if I could never fully reveal my story, I can't be fully transparent and fully help someone. But now that I have, I mean, and I put it in there pretty graphically in the book about it, but I, I connect all of my stories to a biblical character. Mm-hmm. And I connect this one to the woman caught in the act of adultery. We don't even know her name, but it was sexual sin. And it, it's just, you know, I just imagine, I, I always love how in the in scripture, how it talks about how Jesus was scratching something on the ground when they're getting ready to stone this woman. And no one knows what he wrote because it doesn't tell us. And they think, well, he was probably writing the sins of the Pharisees who wanted to stone her to death. And, I, and that, that may very well be true. But I thought, man, what if he was writing something about her, about how mm. he truly saw her? from the foundation of the world, that she was his bride, that she was beloved, that he thought she was beautiful, you know, and allowed her to see that as he told her, go and sin no more. I mean, I just, that just hit me one day and I thought, man, wouldn't that, we'll, we'll never know until we get to heaven. But I thought that's a question I'm going to ask Jesus. What were you scratching in the ground? Cause I find it fascinating, but until I think until we're able to really just be honest about our stories, the good, the bad, and the broken, we're not going to be able to change the world in the way many of us need to. And I I really am hopeful I get an opportunity to speak to women particularly about this issue because one out of three women have had an abortion, which means one out of three men. So when you're sitting in your church and you're looking around, one out of three, and most of them have never told anybody. So I'm hoping by me going first, and I, I say in the book that I've my cover is blown now. What about you? You know, like are you willing to blow your cover and let people know the ugly parts? Because how do we how do we really understand redemption until we've seen God do something unbelievable and undeserving in our own lives? You know what I mean? It's like I, I yeah. fully understand His forgiveness and redemption because. He, he, as soon as I got saved, I remember I thought about this, of course, but I knew that he loved me. I knew that he knew it and loved me anyway and reached out and pulled me out of the pit and gave me the opportunity for salvation. So that, that's just powerful to me. And now that I'm able to talk about this, it has no more power. It, it can't hold right. me in shame and guilt anymore because I'm not afraid of it anymore. 
Yeah, and it is that fear that keeps us silent. And I remember, you know, I mean, I would have my closest friends I didn't know. I'd be sitting in Bible study, and the topic of abortion would come up. And I just remember my heart pounding. I'm sick to my stomach. I was sure I was turning white. I was sure everyone in the you know, Bible study would be able to figure out that I hadn't had an abortion. And just that that fear, that bondage, that burden. And even when uh, there, there was a lady at our church that um, did a post-abortion Bible study, and she stood in front of the church and said she had an abortion and she was leading a Bible study. And I remember looking at her and like, is she crazy for standing up there <laughs> and being anyone? able to tell her story? Like, why would she tell yeah. anyone? But then I knew I needed to go to that Bible study, but it was like a month away. Every day I'd pick up the phone, I'd start to dial her number, I'd put it back down, I'd pick up the phone. It wasn't until the day of the Bible study that I actually called her and she says, great, we'll be there tonight. And she told me the time. And I remember walking in the room and seeing there's like six other women and this burden that I didn't even realize how heavy it had been just lifted mm. off. And I just remember driving home and, it, you know, we continued to go through the Bible study. I think it was like 12 weeks or 10 weeks or something. And I did find more healing, but just walking in the room and seeing the other women that we were all there sharing their stories. It was like a hundred pounds lifted yeah. off my chest or something. It was just like this freedom there. And the enemy wants to keep us bound. He wants us to use that fear. You know, he wants to use that fear, that shame, um, to keep us bound so we won't be authentic and real and being able to share our whole selves with each other. Yeah, we absolutely does. But when we when we just go out and talk about it and admit it and tell people what we've done and how and and not it's not just to tell them what we've done, but how the Lord has redeemed that. You know, if if one person get some healing from this book because of that story. It's worth it to me to have battled the fear, which I battled last summer and the the arguing with God that I did to talk about that. But I I, I know already from some of the people that, that have gotten a chance to read the book and have communicated with me that it's had an impact. So I just pray that other, that'll give others the freedom to speak honestly about their ugly truth. Mm-hmm. And what I love too in the book is how you do tie it to Bible people. I mean, they were real living flesh yeah. people that had the same worries, fears. And then I love how you talk about God dared them too. Oh, yeah. Um, he dared them to take those steps of faith. So was there one person or one story from the Bible that really resonated with you the most or or stood out or maybe something that you... Um, something new that you saw when you were working on this? I think the 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 one character I really love is Ruth because her God there, it wasn't God speaking to her. She was a, a Midianite. She didn't know the Lord. She was not a Hebrew. So she simply saw something so powerful in the life of her mother-in-law, Naomi, that drew her. And I think that's the coolest thing. If my life could ever have that much of an impact that somebody just saw saw God in me so strong that they couldn't not follow. Ruth had to go with Naomi. There was Ruth and there was Orpah, who was, they were the two daughter-in-laws. And they both said, we're going to go because Naomi had, she needed to go back to Israel. The famine was over. And, you know, if, if you know the story of Ruth, you you know what I'm talking about. But they, they both say, oh, we're going to go with you. And Ruth goes, but the other one does not. She just ends up staying back in her country and does not go with with Naomi, but Ruth just saw something so powerful. And I love that, that just our lives without us necessarily proselytizing or tell somebody you need Jesus, just living Jesus out can draw another person to find God. Mm, I love that so much. And I just love, and then also Ruth is in the lineage of Christ. Yes. Um, 
You know, it's just like God's like, okay, I'm going to use her. Yeah. Like, it's just so amazing. Ruth and Rahab, who is a prostitute. You're like, how does that work? You know, it just, but that's, that's the way God loves women. And people think, you know, the church, they, men keep women down. And I don't know, I don't, I don't deal with any of that stuff in my church because they're very, you know, women have, have places of leadership, but yeah, I just think God, he loves women in such a beautiful way that if we would just grasp a hold of that and see how he does love them well, not the things that they think he does that they don't like. I don't I don't even know really what I mean, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and well, you talk about when you go into Rahab, we're going to move on to okay. her, but um some of the God dare secrets which just brought me goosebumps really when I when I read this. God calls us according to our destiny, not our history. Yeah. And yeah, she was a prostitute, but he knew her destiny. He knew that he had plans for Rahab and her kingdom and that she was going to be the, was she the mother of uh, Boaz? Yes. She was, yeah, the mother of Boaz, who then married Ruth. I mean, and that just makes me think of the compassion he had towards Ruth. Mm -hmm. Probably his mother being a, a prostitute. Um, yeah. <laughs> something, I mean, no, it's just like, I, I, I just picture him as a very gentle person. Yeah. And I think, you know, just whatever they experience as a family. Um, but that God calls us according to our destiny, not our history. Like that needs to be like on a plaque on the wall <laughs> or something, which is so good. Because he sees who he has planned for us to be, even though we've taken the wrong road or we've messed up or we've we've made mistakes. Um, so I just love you sharing that so much. Well, I mean, I've seen it in my own life. If he looked at my history, there's no way I'd be dead by now, honestly. Mm -hmm. But he, he knew what he had appointed for me. I'm, you know, I think I'm now walking into that, but it's the same thing with Joseph where I love how it says early on that Joseph was a successful man. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. he's, he's a slave and he's in prison and nothing is happening in his, in his life the way he wants it to. But that's how God saw him and that's what he becomes. So if we can just get a glimpse, and I think you can ask the Lord, you can pray and say, God, how do you see me? You know, because we we see ourselves the way we've been told. You know, I would see myself the way I thought the, that my family thought of me or people that didn't like me or, you know, however that you think the world is seeing you, but that's not how God sees us. And that's not what he says about us. So I think there's nothing wrong with just asking him, how do, how do you see me? Yeah, that is so good. And, you know, then I think also we talk about like, we want people to see God in us and the people closest to us are our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was reading the foreword, which um, Francesca wrote, she said, my mom was telling us over and over again to do it afraid. Um, to take those steps of faith. And, you know, she saw you doing that and Mike doing that. And then she was willing to do that. So I just love um, just being a mom. I mean, we would, everyone loves her music and sees her as a success. Um, But how is it the challenge of, you know, seeing your child um, kind of find success, but sometimes that's hard too, because there's challenging things even in that. Oh yeah. Success is not all it's cracked up to be. People think it's this great, wonderful thing, but it's hard work. You have to maintain it. You have to do things you sometimes just don't want to do because, well, the label requires it or the publisher requires it or whatever. So it's not easy. And especially for her with four kids, that makes it extra hard. You're, you're a working mom who you know you have a call on your life that God has called you to do a specific thing, but at the same time, you're also called to be a mother and a wife. So it's it's a balance, and she's learned really well how to balance that, how to have her private time when it's just her and her husband or her and the Lord or her and her kids. 
um, you know, there's times seasons when she doesn't have to work as much. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard work to maintain. Yeah. And, but I love that you were the example. I mean, you know, she talks about that, that she saw you stepping out and being brave and doing those things and just shows us what God can do. And I think it's all about that faithfulness, whether we're called the little things, which are, aren't little in God's no. eyes. You know, I mean, you know, people just weigh things, you know, this is something small we're doing for God. This is something large, like Francesca's platform, but all of it matters to God. And when he calls us to these things, it's all to bring him glory. It's not for ourselves, but, you know, it's all about what he's doing in his kingdom. And I just love how he's using you to do that. He's doing using Francesca to do that. Um, and it's all to just point people to him. Yeah. And I just love how you've been able to do that. Um, and, you know, even taking these years and really digging deep to, to write the hard stuff. Um, I just appreciate that you've done that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it takes a toll, but it's so worth it. And and the thing is, I just want to say one thing about the big things. It's it's not always just the big things that change the world. It's the little things. It's walking in forgiveness. It's mm. letting go of an offense. It's, you know, when people despitefully use you, well, you don't know what that means until you've been despitefully used, until somebody's really treated you poorly, and yet God still says, pray for them, pray for your enemies. Love mm. the ones who curse you. Bless those who curse you. It, those are hard things to do. Those are God dare. Those are Jesus dares. I mean, I'm pretty convinced everything Jesus said was a dare because everything he said was hard to do. I mean, you read the Beatitudes yeah. and you really start to think about them. They're not easy. But if we're following him and following his example, we'll be able to do it. But his way is the narrow way. And that's why there's so few that are really able to find it. Yeah. And so, you know, when people are picking up your book or listening to you, what do you hope that they will come away with um, just about God and about the things that he's daring us to do? I hope they come away with the sense that he sees them. He loves them. He thinks they're unique. He's put them on this planet for a reason. I think every single one of us is here to change the world, but we have to choose to be chosen to change the world. God you know, if God puts something in our lap and we say, no, he's going to go on to the next person. It doesn't mean he'll stop loving us, but that opportunity then is gone. And then, you know, you, you pray and believe that he'll bring you other opportunities, but I just hope they come away knowing they're valued by God. He wants them to have an impact on the world, whether it's big or small, whether it's, you know, in the marketplace or just in, in your own home. Um, he wants them to have that impact. And I think, what I'm hoping the book will do is give people the courage just to give them that little nudge to say, yes, you can do this, please. God is talking to you. Yes, that crazy idea that's terrifying you is very likely God, although it's always good to get some counsel to make sure you mm -hmm. know that you're following the Lord. You want to really discern that you're hearing his voice. But if it's him and he's calling you and it's scary, step out and do it because it will change the world. It will change you. Yeah. And you lit in the book with this. And I just want to share your last set of God dare secrets. You have God dare secrets throughout, but this last set is just so good. There's so I want to share it real quick. Um, these are what she lists. You are chosen by God. Um, his way is the narrow way. And because it's the way of the cross, there are few who find it. The biggest God dare of all is to live like Jesus. Taking the God dare changes everything. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And Jesus gets to pick. Yeah. I mean, those things right there. And I, sometimes I will remind myself of that as like the power that like, like what you said, that raised Jesus from the dead is in right. me. 
Like this, you know, his spirit is in me. He is in me and anything that he calls me to do, he fully can equip me and empower me and help me um, to step out and do it. So, you know, when we have these impossible deadlines or if God just wants us to share the good news of Jesus with someone that might be um, scary to share with, like the power that, that raised Jesus from the dead is in Amen. us. And I think if we as Christians could walk in that, I mean, I, I think our lives would be completely transformed. Oh, oh, I think, I think you're right. And if we just let Jesus pick our future, you know, if we just let him guide us and, and just follow, if we just follow him and it's not always going to look the way, way we want it to. I mean, I'm, I'm the woman who wanted five kids and God, said, no, you, you're getting one and there's a reason for it. And at the time I couldn't see it. And, and then I went, I went through a number of years of just real confusion about that, about why God, you're supposed to give us the desires of our heart and you're a good father. And I, I'm a good mother. I would never treat my child that way. I mean, I would just yell at God. <laughs> yeah. I should have been probably a little, little more fearful, but I, I just couldn't understand why he wouldn't do what I wanted him to do. But he was teaching me that I, I needed to love him and want him for who he is, not for what he can give me. And that was a hard lesson that I'll tell you, that took me a long time to learn, but I have learned it. Yeah, that's so good. And you even share in the book, um, in the back, you have resources for infertility and adoption, books on loss, um, websites on loss, and then uh, books on abortion Mm -hmm. and miscarriage. Um, Because all those things, I mean, these are the hard stuff that Sometimes we wonder, like, God, like you were saying, why don't you give us what we want? <laughs> um, but he he knows and he has a plan. And um, that's, some of the, that's the hardest stuff to trust him with, though. Yeah. Oh, it's very hard to trust him because it's the heart things. You know, H-E-R-T, not hard, but heart things right. that, that are the things that just – can take us down if we let, if we allow the enemy to do it, if we, and, and there are those rough seasons that people go through those desert seasons, those times where you just cannot hear his voice. But I'm convinced that that does not necessarily mean he's displeased with you. It is very often that he's trying to just draw you deeper. Say, do you, do you really want me more than anything? Are you really willing to press in kind of like Hannah? She had to get desperate to pray the prayer that she prayed. She waited for years before she was able to have her first son and then she gives him away. So, I mean, I just love that, but he will sometimes get us to that place of desperation to where we really need to cry out to him. And then we, you know, can sometimes see that miraculous response. Yeah. And then sometimes when we get what we think we want, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like The journey is really hard and we're like, Oh wait, this is what I wanted. Okay. <laughs> it's what I thought I wanted. It's what I thought I wanted, but he's there no matter what, mm-hmm. whether we get what we think we want, what we get, what we don't think we want. I mean, he is there and we can turn to him. And I think I just love your heart for that. So Kate, I just appreciate you being here today and sharing with us and we'll have links to the God Dare. And I, I know you have another um, way for people to kind of get some sample chapters and stuff too. So do you want to share that with us? Sure. Yeah. It's really simple. If you just text God Dare, just one word, G-O-D-D-A-R-E, no spaces to four four. One four four, you'll get the forward by my daughter Francesca, the introduction in the first three chapters. So it's it's sort of that try before you buy. I mean, I'm I I always like to to read the the thing you know and Kindle. I always read the little sample first because I want to make sure I like the book. So this way, it gives you a chance to just kind of dive in and and see where what God wants you to do with it. And if He wants you to go further with the book, great. If not, then enjoy those three chapters. 
I love it. And what was the number one more time? It's just text the word God dare to 44144. And it comes to us, it comes to my husband's computer. So it's not going anywhere spammy or weird. It's just, he'll, he'll just send you the, 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 you know, the links to it. Perfect. And we'll make sure and put those in the show notes too. Awesome. So thank you. Well, thank you, Kate, so much for being here and um, hug those little grandkids. <laughs> I always love when you post photos, but um, thank you for being a blessing to all of oh, us. Thank you, Trisha. You know, you're one of the, my favorite ones to talk to. So thank you for having me back. Oh, good. I love it. Have a great day, friend. You too. Bless you. Oh, my heart is so full today after talking to Kate and I just love um, all the ways that God has, is using her. And I really enjoyed this book. I actually sat down to start skimming through it um, before the interview and found myself being swept away in it. And then um, I realized like, oh my goodness, I need to get on the record with Kate right now. So I know that you'll just be encouraged. And I love how she takes these biblical stories that we're so familiar with and just shows us new things about how God has called us out, the dares that he's made, the dares that he has made in the lives of biblical people, and the dares he makes in our lives, the dare that says, step out, trust me, believe me, know that um, I have a good plan for you. And I really appreciated what Kate shared about the adulteress that Jesus um, came across when the men of the city, the religious leaders brought the adulterous woman before Jesus and how maybe he was writing in the sand tenderness and love for her. Maybe he wrote words, and this is from Kate's book, forgiven, beautiful, new creation, chosen, fearfully and wonderfully made, child of the king, bride. And really, that's how God sees us. No matter our mistakes that we've made, God sees us as whole and as his, and he wants to do amazing things with our lives. And so the walk it out verse of the day is John 8, 10 through 11. And this is Jesus' words to the adulterous woman. It says, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So let's just pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much that you are the God of healing and forgiveness and that you see us as forgiven and beautiful and a new creation and chosen and fearfully and wonderfully made and your child. And I thank you, Lord, that even with our mistakes, that you have compassion for us. You want us to come near to you. And I just pray for those who may be listening that feel that condemnation. They feel that they have to do good things or be good enough to get your attention. I just pray that even right now your peace will come and that they will understand that they are loved just for who they are, that they don't have to perform, that you aren't judging on your works, but just because they are your child, um, that you love them completely, Lord. I pray that we will understand that that God does not condemn us, but we can walk in freedom and we can do the amazing things that God has called us in advance to do. Thank you for every listener. Thank you for all the ways that we can step out and follow you, that we can walk out our faith and bring you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for tuning in to Walk It Out today. I am so thankful you're here. I am so thankful that you are on this journey with me and I can 
love sharing my friends um, with you and just sharing their hearts. These are some pretty amazing people, and I just loved my time with Kate today. If you have enjoyed listening to this interview, share it with a friend. Um, just copy the link. You can find it on my website, trishagoyer.com. If you click on podcast and then click on um, whatever guests, um, Kate's beautiful face is on there. Just click on it, copy paste the link. You can share it on Facebook. You can email it to them. Just let them know that there is an amazing interview for them to listen to. Also, you can find it on iTunes or on your podcast apps. Um, just have them check out Walk It Out. And my name, they can search under Trisha Goyer, T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R. But thank you, friends, for being here and for being a blessing to my life. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.